0: Hey, hey, I'm your host Wanda and you're listening to the 10 Degrees Podcast. to another episode of the Tender Grace podcast, where we have candid conversations about our struggles and sometimes epic failures in our Christian walk and how God's grace meets us there to lift us up and strengthen us with his power and his truth. In today's episode, I'll be talking about a struggle that many Christians face, and that is feeling unqualified to do what God has called you to do. And you'll also learn what you can do right now in order to make that first step despite wrestling with your confidence. When a position needs to be filled, what do most employers do? They look for the person who is qualified and best suited for the role. If a business needs someone to lead their corporation, they will only hire someone with credentials and has a proven track record of successfully leading another company. What about you? Have you ever tried to apply for a position that you have no knowledge or experience in? Probably not because few people dare to take that kind of risk. Now, this makes total sense when it comes to doing business in this physical world. Employers need to have confidence and trust in the person who they are hiring because no company wants to waste their time or resources hiring someone who is not qualified, right? And they do this to minimize potential problems down the line. No boss likes to go behind an employee cleaning up their mistakes or putting out their fires. And they have these... Business practices in place to minimize loss and disruption because at the end of the day, the goal of any business is to grow. So weak links or the unqualified need not apply. This is what we know and this is what we understand and this is how we do things in this world. And because this is ingrained in us, we think that this is how God operates too. We believe that when God wants to do something significant in his kingdom, he looks for the most qualified person, the one who is well-educated, Those who are very knowledgeable, those who have prior experience in that specific calling, someone who is organized and has good time management skills, uh, even those who are good looking and dress nice. I mean, I could go on on and on, but you get the point. But God doesn't choose people according to the world's standards. He doesn't require some impressive resume because he doesn't get caught up or distracted by the things we define as success. God looks at the heart. A person may have all the skills, be successful, knowledgeable, be good looking, and still be rejected by God to ever do something significant for him. Feeling unqualified isn't unusual or even rare. Many great leaders chosen by God to do great and mighty things felt inadequate. When God called Moses to bring the Israelites out of Egypt and free them from their oppression, Moses didn't respond with excitement and enthusiasm. No, he was scared to death so much so that he desperately pleaded his case and made excuses because he felt unqualified. He gave God many reasons for why he was not the man for the job. His reasons for feeling unqualified are natural and pretty common, many of which we can identify with because we too struggle with the same kinds of reasons. Before I begin, here's a short backstory to give you some context into Moses' story, but I would highly encourage you to go to the book of Exodus and read his entire story. Okay, so Moses met God for the first time at the burning bush in Horeb. God tells him that he's seen the oppression and suffering of his people and he's heard their cry and he was now ready to rescue them, to bring them out of Egypt and lead them into the promised land. And Moses was his chosen leader for this mission. He tells Moses, So now, go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh the king so that you can tell him to let them all go. Now, I want you to keep in mind that this was no small mission. The Bible says in Exodus 12, 37, there were about 600,000 men plus all the women and children. And Bible scholars estimate that the number of people totaled would have been around two to three million people, which is basically the entire state of New, Mex- New Mexico or Nebraska. Now, Moses was grieved in his heart over the suffering of the Israelites back in Egypt, but it's not like he was praying to God to use him to do something about it. Moses wasn't applying or nor volunteering to be used by God to be some type of leader. No, he had quietly been minding his own business, taking care of sheep for the past 40 years. What was his first excuse? I'm a nobody. He told God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Moses thought very little of himself. He lacked self-confidence and did not see himself as a leader. He wasn't some big shot CEO. He didn't hold some important title. He wasn't some important successful businessman well-known or revered in his community. And how did God respond? He said, I'll be with you. He didn't even bother addressing the I'm-a-nobody excuse. God was letting him know that all the assurance he needed was that he would be with him. What Moses thought of himself or what others may have thought or said to him in his past wasn't important to God. Though when you think of yourself and what others think of you has no bearing on God's decision to choose you. God is not asking for people to worship you or be impressed by you. God is asking for people to worship and be in awe of him. We are simply vessels used by God to point others to him. Moses didn't know God very well and he he didn't quite understand that this mission wasn't about him. So at this point, God is ready. He is ready for this mission to begin. And he proceeds and gives Moses some instructions. He tells Moses to speak to the elders of Israel to tell them about what he has seen and heard from God and about the call to lead the Israelites out of Egypt and that he would be the one doing the leading. And how does Moses respond to these instructions? He gives God excuse number two. Moses answered and said, What if they do not believe me or listen to what I say? For they may say the Lord has not appeared to you. What he is really saying is, I don't have any credibility. I don't have anything to show that will cause them to take me seriously. Moses was worried about his credentials before the Jewish elders, concerned that they wouldn't believe him. I mean, who can blame him? What has Moses been doing for the past 40 years? He was being a shepherd, tending, feeding, and guarding sheep. This time, God does address his concern and helps to build up his confidence by equipping him to perform miraculous signs. The Bible says that he gave Moses three signs to convince the elders that he was, in fact, God's chosen leader. And do you know what happened with the elders? They believed him just as God said they would. In those times, Jews required a sign. But these signs weren't really needed to convince the elders. God had already worked in their hearts to accept this message from Moses. It says in Exodus 3.18, the elders of Israel will accept your message. God had promised Moses that it would all work out, promised to go with him, empowered him to perform his first signs and wonder. But that still wasn't enough. Moses still, still could not get past his feelings of inadequacy. This blinded him from seeing the bigger picture. Moses is starting to now get desperate and is probably thinking to himself, this is unbelievable. I've given him two good excuses. I'm a nobody with no prior experience and God is still saying go. Now, Enter excuse number three. I'm not a good speaker. It says in Exodus 4.10, Then Moses told the Lord, Please, Lord, please, I'm not eloquent. I was never in the past, nor am I now, since you spoke to your servant. In fact, I talk too slowly and I have a speech impediment. And how does God respond to this excuse? We can find it in the next verse, verse 11. It says, Who makes people able to speak? or makes them deaf or unable to speak, who gives them sight or makes them blind. Don't you know that I am the one who does these things? In other words, God was like, do you think that I don't know that you, what you can and can't do? Do you think that I am now finding out that you stutter? Any disability that you have is because I made you this way. You are not telling me anything. I don't already know. He didn't give Moses a moment to ponder and meditate on these rhetorical questions. Quickly and firmly, these words follow. He says to Moses, now go. I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. Here is God once again reassuring him, I will be with you. Moses didn't have any faith in God's choice, but God did. God was sure. When it comes to the natural world and the way that we operate, it's unlikely that anyone will want to continue to move forward with someone like Moses, even if he came highly recommended. Here's a guy who was trying very hard to make a case for why he shouldn't be hired for the job. See, but the thing is that God still chose to move forward with him. God wasn't fazed by Moses' reasons for feeling unqualified. He stood firm in his decision to choose Moses for the job. Do you know why? Because the call over our lives is not about us or our inadequacies. It's not even about our strength and our abilities. Because what we tend to forget is that our gifts... Talents and our abilities come from God Himself. There are people out there who who are musically gifted, who are wonderful public speakers, who are good writers, and you have that, or they have that, because it's the way that God made them. They didn't inherit them that from their mom or their dad. They didn't; their parents didn't pass along some artistic gene, some musical gene, or some writing gene. And the same works in reverse. If you're not good at writing or public speaking or anything else, it was still God's doing. He uses everything that we have and don't have for his glory. So what the Lord is saying to you is that you may not live up to the world's standards. Perhaps you feel like you're not able to do a good job because someone in the past or in the present told you that you will never amount to anything or that you will never be good enough. But he says to you, I still choose you. I want you to represent me. And so at this point, it would be awesome to say that finally Moses was like, okay, God, I hear you send me, I will go. No, (laughs) he still had no confidence, even though God had already reassured him multiple times with the promise that he would be with him. At this point, I'm thinking to myself, surely Moses has got to know by now that he is trying God's patience. But yet he makes one last ditch effort to escape the call over his life. The Bible says that Moses begged God and said, Lord, please send someone else to do it. But still, the Lord remains firm. And do you know what else the Bible says? It says that the Lord became angry with him. And in his anger, he appoints Aaron, Moses' brother, to be the one who will speak to Pharaoh. He tells Moses, I will be with you both as you speak and I will instruct you both in what to do. So finally, Moses gave in and went. Know this, that wrestling with your confidence and feeling unqualified is neither unusual or rare. Moses is just one example, but there are more. When the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Go with the strength you have and rescue the Israelites from the Midianites. I am sending you. And what was Gideon's response? But Lord... How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least important member of my family. The other one is Jeremiah. He was called to be a prophet to the nations. And you know what Jeremiah's response was? I'm not a good speaker, Lord, and I am too young. And then we have King David. David may not have felt unqualified, but other people felt that way towards him. The prophet Samuel was sent by God to Jesse of Bethlehem to anoint the next king because the new king would be among the sons of Jesse. Unfortunately, Samuel made the mistake of thinking that Eliab, the oldest son, was the one God had chosen, and all because Eliab was tall, handsome, and had the appearance of a leader. Basically, he looked the part, and David being the youngest of the eight brothers wasn't even considered, but that didn't matter to God. He said to Samuel, I have refused him. We read in 1 Samuel 6, 17 that the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God knew Eliab's heart, and he didn't have the heart that God desired for this specific vision. It doesn't mean that he or the other brothers were bad people. It simply meant that they weren't God's first choice. You see, the call over our lives must be spiritually discerned and can't be judged with the human mind or with our physical eyes. And it shouldn't be taken lightly either. It's not like a job that we interview for and then later quit when we get tired or when some some other position doing something else with better terms and conditions shows up. Our calling is kingdom work. It's a spiritual assignment that requires faith, trust, obedience, and dependence on God. Because the one that God calls, He equips. Feeling unqualified comes from knowing our own limitations, the struggles, and our past failures, because the thought of having others seen, see them leaves us feeling embarrassed, overwhelmed, frustrated, and it causes us to say no to God. But in God's economy, it's those limitations that help us stay close to Him. The gospel of God's grace has no room for personal boasting or even prideful ambitions. Your looks, your social status, your financial situation, your job title, your achievements don't impress God. In fact, if your goal in life is to have people be impressed by what you do or what you have, God has already rejected you because God is a jealous God and he doesn't share his glory with any man. He doesn't compete with any man for people's loyalty, attention, or even obedience. So don't use your weakness, your inexperience, lack of knowledge, shame, or guilt from your past or present as an excuse to say no to the Lord. So how do you move forward in faith? I'm going to give you three steps that you can start doing right now to help you take the next step. Number one, get off the fence and make a decision. You can't take a step forward if you're sitting on the fence of indecision. Stop trying to come up with reasons that make sense to you for why God has called you to do what he's called you to do. No one that God calls is sent to do things alone. If he calls you, it's because he's going to equip you. Remember, it's the Lord's mission, and he goes with you to ensure it gets completed according to his will. See, your boss may send you out to do a project, and while you're getting some instructions and guidance, he's certainly not going to go with you to hold your hand. You're going to be expected to go alone, call him or her if there are any issues, and then report what the end result was. But God goes with you to guide you, teach you, and course correct you when you make a mistake. He is the one that moves the mountain so that you are able to get to the other side. The Lord wants to begin training you, leading you, and using you. And you're not letting him because you're too consumed with doubt, fear, and insecurity. God knows us better than we know ourselves and sees more than we can see. So it's necessary that we trust, obey, and step forward in our doubt anyway. It's okay. It's totally okay to move forward feeling unqualified, scared, and unsure. God can work with fear and insecurities. He can't work with indecision because he's not going to force on you something that you're not willing to commit to. Romans 11:33 33 says, who can measure the wealth and wisdom and knowledge of God? Who can understand his decisions or explain what he does? What this means is our human minds don't have the capacity to understand the wisdom of God or understand why he decides what he does. God is God, period. And the mere fact that you're sitting on the fence feeling unsure and insecure is a pretty good sign that he's in fact calling you to do that thing that's been on your heart and mind. Your spirit is willing, but you've allowed your emotions to keep you from moving forward month after month, year after year. And here's step number two. Use what you have and is in front of you right now. Begin with what's within your reach. You don't have to have every detail figured out right now. When God first called Moses, he didn't give him all the details of the entire mission. He was given just enough information and instructions to get started. The rest would unfold as Moses obeyed and moved forward. God is not going to review the entire mission with all the ups and downs that you're going to be required to navigate. Bring to God what you have, not your complaints about what you don't have. See, there's a lot of things that we can do right now to prepare us for the bigger things down the road. So stop worrying. Show up, use what's in your hands right now and ask God to help you. He often calls us to tasks that seem too big and too difficult to do, but he never sends us alone to do them. God gives us resources, sends people, and makes a way where there is no way. Remember, God goes with us to ensure that it gets done the way he wants. And step number three, stop comparing yourself to someone else. Comparison will kill your calling. You diminish your worth and compromise your calling when you compare yourself and your calling to someone else. God doesn't compare your qualifications, your abilities with someone else, so why do you do you? Now, are there others doing what God has called you to do? Of course. There's approximately eight billion people in the world, and God has not chosen two, five, twenty, or even fifty people to evangelize to eight billion people. But how your call unfolds is as unique to you as your personality, fingerprints, and DNA. God uses many people with different gifts and skills to do his work in this world. He's not in the business of uh, pitting people against each other in their calling. He doesn't call people and then says, okay, whoever does the best wins. No. Let us always remember that God is not impressed by what we are impressed with. Let's go back to Moses' story for a moment. God had already known that Aaron was a better speaker than Moses, right? This was no surprise to him. And yet God chose Moses first. Every task that the Lord wants to accomplish through us is important, even when we don't understand it. Where we are called to go and what we are called to do will not always be comfortable. It may even cause us to doubt in God's choice to use us. But there is one thing that we can remind ourselves often and be confident in is that God is working everything together for good. The Apostle Paul said, who is qualified for such a task? We are confident of all this because of our great trust in God through Christ. It's not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualifications come from God. So remember, in God's economy, he calls, then he qualifies. You will build as you go, because it's not for your glory, but for His. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help support it, don't forget to subscribe, share it with others, post about it on social media, and leave a rating and review. Until next time.